0: Or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com
1: What's up everyone? It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we're joined by Vince Ning from novice out in California. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So, Miggy and Tom, what's happening?
2: Hey, Hi, Lauren, how was your week?
3: Pretty smooth. How about you guys?
2: You know, it seems like every day is the same. I get up, get home, <laughs> go to work, a- I'm essential, and then um, go home. It's, it's amazing. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm healthy. Looks like you're healthy, Miggy's. You good? Alive awesome man hey what <laughs> happened in cannabis news this week over your uh from your world
1: well we still don't have uh um uh, home deliveries which you would think by now washington state one of the first states that uh, uh had the pandemic you know you think the regulatory bodies would say hey let's do home deliveries now nope nothing yet um they've still pandered to the liquor board or the liquor uh person so yeah we're still in the same stagnant space um not much is going on uh Though today, uh, ten years ago, Jack Dehair died, and I will be doing uh, uh, other content later on for us.
2: Yeah, tune into the Jack Dehair tribute. Uh, ten years today, he passed yeah. away. Yeah, <laughs> and we don't have home delivery either in Illinois, but they d- they do have a bill. You see, like sometimes you have to amend the law to make sure that you can actually get those ends that you want, and this is one of those because. The do- the delivery is usually held by the dispensary license, and then they have to have the authority to do it. In our law, it says that they can't. And then you said you had the liquor uh, and, and tobacco board over in Washington State. Can they just change it through regulation, or would they need uh, legislation, an actual mandatory provision?
1: So it's kind of an ambiguous type scenario. I mean, they got the dream job where you can kind of brush everything off that's like, well... We don't know about this because really in the beginning, they they created the infrastructure for business. Right. As far as seed uh, uh, to sell um, uh, uh, rules for like um, like L&I and shit like that, like normal business stuff that was never been part of the cannabis infrastructure. But right. they they still were in the beginning, allow like things like Azimax um, Eagle 19, you know, pesticides that shouldn't be used in cannabis. That that was their failing. So now I think within the past two years they said we're going to let the uh, U.S. you know the DA deal with it. But I believe they still haven't uh, passed off the buck or our or, or agriculture department right here in Washington. Right. So, but there's
2: actually. There was some some really cool news regarding cannabis legalization that came out of Denver. I'm not sure. And then, again, this gets back to what we were just talking about. Sometimes it's the states. Sometimes it's the communities. How does the regulation work? And in Illinois, they actually have prohibited the ability for uh, delivery. So that's why it takes an amendment. But here, Mm. Denver City Council appears a new cannabis business uh, research and development license. So a new R&D type of license has been... um, uh, uh you know created by denver which I think is really really fascinating because since 1970 what has it been illegal to do uh, with cannabis
1: oh yeah research definitely yeah, yeah and you know what, it, we probably could do that here at least the board could because that's I think as you point that out the the whole license thing that's really what this board's power is the license they have over these people right really that's that's it <laughs> you know and and they constantly uh change the rules there was a moment where uh Two, three years ago, um, we only have one accrediting body that accredits the labs here. And uh, they tried to tell this lab that they were doing business the wrong way for 10 years. Like this lab was doing the same thing for 10 years. So somehow in between that 10 year mark, they decided to change the the direction. But when it comes to audits and for accreditation, that's not how that works. These are all, um, they should be suggestions, right? You got to have a process written down. You got to have an SOP, all the just blatant stuff. Now your SOP could be wrong your s could be like today i'm gonna walk in and pee on all the plants
2: yeah but that that's that sounds like a really bad sop i mean like so shouldn't your sop be dis- disqualifying your license if it's like what's your standard operating procedure first we take the rules then we get a red pen and say fuck these rules you know don't do that
1: <laughs> well no but, well an sop like for like say uh for lab for lab guidances right like we know there's different types of testing there's uh, a gastro, you know uh Uh, with gas testing and chromatography and all this other stuff. And if you know what they were trying to do is say, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is the one way you're supposed to do it. And it doesn't work that way in a scientific world. Right.
2: Well, yeah. And so the, the, everybody's SOPs can be different, but the SOPs still need to be compliant with the regulations that are out there that the the producer or that the dispensary is trying to comply with. And it looks like there's uh, been some other cannabis legalization news, but it's not necessarily good and it's tax related. It kind of uh, you know, the latest tax administration report raises questions for cannabis businesses. Of course it does. Uh, now, more tax audits may be coming, but it's interesting that industry sources produce, uh, predicted that the U.S. legal marijuana industry took in nearly $11 billion in sales in 2018, expected to rise to $13 billion in 2019 and 25 by 2025. Um, so is that the- it's, it's still going to get double taxed is essentially what it is. And then those, that's... That's real money. I mean, uh, imagine that. All right. So it's all that in sales. So you have to look at it in the amount of sales and know that you're not allowed to deduct all that much from that. You can't really deduct the cost of your employees because that's, you know, uh, IRC 280E. You can't deduct the cost of your rent. You can deduct the cost that you paid for the cannabis. And maybe also we'll ask, uh, NABIS uh, when he comes on, when Vince comes on about how they do the pricing model with NABIS, because it looks like it's a distribution site, uh, uh, a business out in California. So how do they address the 280E issue? That's going to be an interesting point to deal with. But if you have those tens of billions of dollars and you only like the the gross profit on it might come out to be like 70% because so many deductions that other businesses are allowed to deduct, are just not considered deductions because it's uh, the cost of trafficking in a Schedule One substance, and therefore you, those deductions are disallowed, as the IRS would call it.
1: How ridiculous is it, though, that we have this agency that's going to audit and, and 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 check cannabis industry, but yet they're still not qualified for the two hundred and eighty e? Like is that the two hundred and eighty e or one hundred and eighty?
2: It's two hundred and eighty e, but there is. And so, like, think about running your dispensary the only thing that you really are doing is you're paying for cannabis and that's your cost of goods sold and you put it on the shelves usually in little buckets and stuff and then people buy it so like the stuff that you paid for this that you can deduct because you needed to buy that cost you needed to buy that good to sell the good but yeah. then the costs that are related to running your business of retailing in that good are not allowed to be deducted so like your employees your rent Really, these are real costs, your operational costs, anything right. that's not a part of the cost of goods sold. And that's one of the reasons why on the West Coast where you could do where you used to be able to do bulk flour, people would do pre-rolls because then that employee would count toward cost of goods sold for that time.
1: Mm. So then uh, a liquor store, though, all that cost of goods, that service, they can still use that. For their advantage, right? Oh,
2: uh, yeah. Like every other business is allowed to deduct the cost of their goods sold, the, the cost of their rent, the cost of their employees, all of that, the cost of their marketing, the cost of their websites, all of those things, like in trafficking and what you find at a gas station, you know, and you go in there and there's Pepsi and there and there's Snickers bars and all that. Uh all that can be deducted. But because it's 280E, they can't. And then when you're talking about those types of raw numbers, where last year, it was probably $13 billion already in Illinois this year, there's been $110 million in adult use sales. So imagine that your your markup, your true markup on your cost of goods sold is like any other bi- uh, retail business, 100%. So chop it in half and say, all right, so out of that $110 million, $55 million of it is just what the IRS considers profit. And then uh, you, know, you do the math as to what percentage of that comes out to for your tax liability. And then that's one of the reasons why these dispensaries will just get hit with these huge tax bills.
1: Well, at the same time, then the, the SBA put out that anybody that touches the flower is not qualified for any loan, which is yeah ridiculous. for the
2: uh, especially for the payment relief uh, program or the p payment protection program, the PPP money that free yeah. money that Uncle Sam has just gotten that's that's out. But you know what? You know it's freaking hilarious and, and an essential business. Besides cannabis, what's what's in a Florida essential? Oh business? fuck my life! Did you see this?
1: <laughs> the fucking wrestling. In Florida? Yeah. yeah, oh uh, Florida, stay Florida. Yeah, yeah,
2: WWE Essential. Oh my gosh! So this is this isn't fake. I was like, so this really is fake news, and it's like, no. Here's the mayor, yeah. Orange County Mayor Jerry Demings. Employees in a professional sport and media production with a national audience are exempt from stay-at-home order as long as location is closed to the general public. So it's just like when we were kids. Remember, you know, uh, SummerSlam would be on uh, pay-per-view. Oh, shit
1: have so you I, seen I, the ones though because you uh wwe did put some out with no audience already they've done some oh yeah have you, have you seen oh, those
2: of course i don't have tv i don't have cable uh, i mean maybe if they put wwe on netflix
1: oh wow i see you're you're, you're a steady streamer of like channels but uh i'm still old school i got an antenna to my tv sometimes and mm. i uh you know watch the news and whatnot but the, the wwe they're still broadcasting with empty audiences and it's it's great it's just you know they, they hear all the anger without the oohs and the ahs you know yeah. you're going down and i'm gonna kick yourself or something and it's just like no crowd no it's crowd noise. it's all theatrics
2: yeah. yeah and then there was that uh, did you see the uh baseball game in taiwan no the first baseball game of the 2020 season so it's the same thing it's just they're playing baseball empty oh, players are there yeah, yeah. and, and then so uh all this year you know like it's just going to be the maximum tickets, or like, are they going to be swiping people's temperatures, or you know, spitting this cup? We'll we'll give you your COVID test as you leave. I'm sorry, sir, you tested positive. You're quarantined. Yeah. yeah
1: you, well, when the groups get that big, I mean, to get back to where we were at, I think eventually we're going to have to do shit like that. You know? Oh no,
2: man! Remember, remember that shoe bomber. America's crazy. All right. So you remember yeah. that shoe bomber? We're still taking our shoes off before we get on an airplane. Yeah. You know? All right. And so like. Those they've they're installed them all in the post office and and they're installing them everywhere else. The social distancing protocols and, and lines and all that stuff that ain't going away. And if anything, it's probably gonna get weirder and worse. You know, yeah. they, they haven't started opening it up yet. Think of all the crappy chicanery that they're gonna have when we start opening it up. I mean, right now, when everybody just stays at home, it's what they call stasis.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I man. I, I'm just saying to get back to where we're at, we're gonna have what you know, everybody's gonna be calling the new normal, right? Like t- the, the temperature check in and the if they come up to a test some way and hopefully they do because until they do, we ain't doing shit like we used to, you know, yeah, that COVID don't play. This is pretty much it. And then uh, speaking of, you know, um, I was watching Josh's podcast about the market and he was talking about how, you know, how I mentioned the other day, how people like to smoke and drink during sad times and bad times or mm-hmm. and good times. Discussion and, proof. Yeah. I think cannabis is going to be one of those markets that right now all the Canadian market uh, people are downsizing and whatnot uh, it's all bad business. You know, these guys got so much money at one time and they didn't have a real plan, you know, because you have to wait for the plant to grow. And then you can actually, you know, know what network you got or whatever. I think I don't know. yeah,
2: there, there are capital requirements to get into the game. And then there are procedural requirements to stay in the game and operational hurdles that everybody has to do all while maintaining an eye on brand. It's a very complicated industry, very complex. And I think at the, the core of it is oversimplification by people like us who, like, grow a plant. And they're like, I can do this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I wonder how many twelve hundred specials will be this four twenty.
2: Oh man, there's gonna be a lot of 1200 specials. And join us on our 420. We're gonna do an Ask Me Anything. Uh, with you know, we'll talk to the audience. So uh, what what questions do they have? That's gonna be a lot of fun. There's Twenty of them watching now, right?
1: Well, I always I, I find it. This is more people than I thought would be watching us. You know, two old farts who fucking. I mean. I just like to write and, and and was like a cheerleader for fucking weed. And here we are now just like shooting the shit on YouTube. And, and like still that.
2: cheerleading for fucking weed.
1: Well, because we're still, yeah. Can't believe I to still fight for this shit.
2: Uh, so I was talking to a client earlier and they're like, so when is this all going to, you know, when's this all going to go away? And I'm like, well, it's not, it's not going to go away. It's still going to be highly fed, uh, highly regulated. We can just hope federal regulation goes away. And I'm thinking, you know, like, dude, um, this might be a pretty bad recession. We just shut down the uh, economy for six weeks, and it's probably going to be shut down for another month. You know, it could be May 15th, and our hometown is already reporting a net loss in its budget, a budget hole of $50 million. So if every town in America has a budget hole so big they can't fill it, first off, there's going to be a lot more cannabis legalization in the future, next year especially, but um, that recession might be real painful and
1: um oh no i agree dude yeah. you know i hate it's it's not happy talk but this is also real talk where this 1200 dollars check that everybody's gonna get i mean it's a piss in a bucket it's yep. uh and you know america is a service industry you know we don't make widgets we we we, we service and i'm lucky enough as a technician where the over a lot robars will always need me like somebody's got a yeah the machine, that's right but the
2: servers failed go reply it. unplug it plug it back in
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, I might be turning shit half the day on and off, but God damn it, I trained for 20 years for this point. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's unfortunate, man. Waiters, waitresses, uh, mechanics, uh, you know, its even here in Seattle, there's now a new limit of 15 people on the bus. So th- this is getting real where, you know, they're trying to contain it. Um, you know, people keep thinking it's some sort of weird, magical hoax, but no, it's a scary little fucking virus that you can't see, you're fine, and it gets you, like. I honestly, think I had it. I honestly think if I didn't have it and it gets worse, I'll fuck uh, anyways.
2: That you know, you may have had it. There's it's but then again, one day we're gonna get you tested because everybody's gonna have to get tested. And they, they might even think if that's gonna be the new uh passport TSA pre-check. I'm sorry, have you been tested for COVID 19? Oh, yeah, I already have it. I have the antibodies. Oh, right this way.
1: I'm just saying keep my twelve hundred dollar check, give me a fucking test. That would give me a a whole of just rest in my head right now, you know. Like I'm still paranoid and and geeked out, but the same sense I think I had it, so I'm having a little more confidence above everybody else. Yeah, and I like
2: being in a rural uh, undisclosed. Yeah, a rural undisclosed location, aka Peoria, Illinois, and um, it's it's not so bad. We should really bring in on, on Nabis because he's got. Uh, a fascinating business regarding cannabis distribution and the, the methods there. That, uh, well, let's talk about that business model. It's a whole different area of the business model aside from production, of course, cultivation and then uh, retail or, you know, the dispensing of the cannabis. Plus analytics. Plus analytics. It's huge. Vince, thanks for joining us, man.
3: Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh. Uh, I was sort of listening in on your guys earlier conversation is all very fascinating to see what you guys are seeing in other states.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, every state's a little different. Everybody tries to do it their own way. And it's kind of like the coronavirus in the sense that there's no federal guidance. There's no leadership coming from there. So we're all (laughs) trying to figure it out. Yeah. And and nobody's coming to help. And so uh, in Illinois, we have a transporter license. And I saw that Nebus is a distribution system. What does that mean? Can you explain it
3: yeah i mean i think uh you hit the nail right on the head there um as a distribution business you you can cut it up in many ways i think traditionally uh distribution involves the buying and sale of you know different products so whether it be food and beverage or alcohol or tobacco or pharmaceuticals whatever it is distributors sort of serve as that um, you know middle middle middleman layer um, that helps Uh, with a transportation b with sales uh, and then you can keep going up the stack with like marketing and assortment um, and technology and things like that for us uh, at Navis we focus on uh, very specifically like the logistics and storage aspect of it storage and distribution um, as well as the technology aspect Um, and we hope to get into you know other uh, dimensions of the distribution services services business um, as we continue to grow but you know given what we saw initially in the industry, um, you know, I started this business about two years ago and uh, it was right right around the time of uh, January 1st, 2018, when legal rec uh, or recreational cannabis became legal in California and uh, just sort of seeing all the projections and all the, uh, you know, demand uh, consumer demand that was about to uh you know flow into the market it was one of those things where uh we knew that the the current infrastructure of the supply chain wasn't going to hold up um and so Mm -hmm. we sort of set out to building the sort of at least the the bare metal like logistical infrastructural layer to help um brands Mm -hmm. and the supply side get their products out to market and and making it easier to sort of service the new consumer demand that was about to pour in Mm -hmm. Um, and so you know for us more specifically we um You know, offer a distribution service that uh, helps brands ship cannabis products, final package cannabis products out to dispensaries across the state. Uh, You know, we work with over 80 different brands now. Um, A lot of the top tier ones you guys might have heard of are, you know, Cookies or Dosis, uh, Ember Valley, um, you know, Henry's. And so, you know, we we ship their products out. Uh, We probably ship around 80 to 90 million dollars worth of wholesale products a year now uh, out across the state of California, pretty much to uh, every dispensary in the state, um, uh, dispensary and delivery business. Um, and so as we can, yeah. And as we continue to grow and scale, a lot of the technological aspect helps us automate, um, you know, the, the operational challenges that are sort of nuanced and new to this industry, um, that don't exist in others.
2: Yeah. Well, tell us about your educational, you and your founder's educational backgrounds.
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, we don't we don't come from cannabis, but uh, we've always had sort of a personal passion and joy for the product. Um, Prior to this, uh, you know, both of our backgrounds come from uh, Silicon Valley Tech. Um, You know, so uh, we we were actually childhood best friends growing up since we were like 13. You guys coded Um, your first loops together. Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. And smoked our first J together. So, yeah. So. Now then, I guess
2: the the questions that I would have would turn toward like, well, how are you licensed? And then how does IRC 280E figure into your revenue numbers?
3: Yeah. So as far as licensing structure, um, you know, we we have a Type 11 California distribution license uh, for both medical and recreational. Um, And, uh, you know, from there, as far as 280E goes, uh, well, A, that allows us to sort of uh, ship products. So in California, you actually have to own a distribution license in order to ship products across the state. Um, so even if you're a cultivator, a manufacturer, a retailer, whatever it is, if you have products in your warehouse or in your inventory, you can't actually move it unless you find a license distributor or you get your own license. Um, and as far as 280E, you know, the way our business model is set up um, you know, we, we try to stay as capital efficient and light as possible um, from like a working capital perspective. So um, for us, we actually ship everything on consignment um, uh, much like many other sort of D 2 C models out there, except for us, it's a a B2B model where we ship from supply side from the brands to dispensaries on the retail side. Um, And so, you know, we'll help with the storage and the shipping, but everything is on consignment. So we uh, and, and we charge basically a transportation fee. Um, So as it pertains to A to E, um, you know, our COGS or cost of goods sold actually pertains to the delivery drivers, the vehicles, the gas and the insurance and like most things that you would consider an operational cost um, for a normal traditional distribution business where where in a traditional distribution business. The COGS are mainly just the product, the cost of the product. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't buy and sell the product. We charge a transportation service. And so everything that filters into what, what normally would be an operational cost is actually our cost of goods sold
2: that's fascinating and that's kind of how i was like telling people that they're probably going to have to do the transportation license in the state of illinois just explaining to them like well you have this you have this you know catch 22 or this conundrum where traditionally if you're a wholesaler you're that middleman that really is brokering or brokeraging in the the wholesale price to the retail price and you can kind of take your little cut as the distributor but that would literally be trafficking in uh, schedule one substance. And therefore you would not be able to uh, deduct the cost of of, uh, carrying on that operation and only your cost of goods sold. So by creating that difference where you're going to do a service fee, uh, kind of like a UPS model, uh, or you're the post office a little bit in that price, but then larger, like your, your cogs are then, you know, the car, Yep. Uh, the, the software that you need and all these other things, but you don't, you really don't have goods. I mean, like you're not selling a good. So that's, that's advanced tax planning that you have <laughs> to do in this industry just right. to even get into it. And so if the rules were different and IRC 280 wasn't there, uh, the, your business model would literally be
3: different. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think, you know, we, we try to stay true to 280, like try to play the 280 E game a bit. And then on top of that, even, um, you know, you guys were sort of discussing the, the capital needs of this industry. Um, you know, to, to pour so much money into just inventory, um, is actually not such a great use of working capital for us as a logistics business. Um, and, uh, you know, traditionally as a distributor, you would buy and sell the product. And, you know, for that, there's, uh you know different municipalities all charge different types of gross receipts tax and that would ding us pretty hard there too and wow. so we try to float as little of you know of the biz of of the uh of the cost of products uh, or actually we don't float any of it through our through our financials um mainly for for tax reasons and and working capital reasons
1: watching the video your guys' structure kind of you guys made me think of like you're the amazon of weed yeah like uh like everybody stores it in one spot and you kind of relocate it from there
3: Exactly. Yeah. So we have fulfillment centers uh, all across California that help us service different regions of the state, um, and then we have about thirty-five uh, different delivery trucks that uh, sort of operate in tandem with the with the fulfillment centers on a hub and spoke model um, to a pick up products from you know suppliers and then b uh, you know we sort of store it, shelve it help with batch testing. And then finally, when an order comes through through our system, we'll pick and pack and ship it. Um, and then on the back end, uh, we also handle the collections process. So, you know, just mainly because banking is such a big issue in the industry, um, you know, most of the payments uh, happen in cash in which, uh, you know, the there, there are certain logistical um issues to collecting payment too. So, you know, a lot of brands and our customers rely on us for collection of payment too. Um, And uh, yeah, And, and so like, you know, whereas like a traditional Marketplace, maybe that operates online. You would just be able to pay your vendor directly um, through APH. You know, for us, like we have to go pick up the payment, schedule it with the guy who has control of the money at the dispensary. Um, You know, buy guns. Don't forget (laughs) to have guns.
2: Uh, (laughs) We could talk about the uh, how much security do you have that goes into these transportation vehicles.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it's quite a bit. I mean, our, our security and compliance line items on our P&L are, are very high compared to normal industries. Um, from a security standpoint, all of our vehicles are not only upfitted to certain um, governmental compliance and cannabis compliance regulation standards, um, but you know we have secured caging, we have a safe that's sort of deposit only and bolted down in the cargo portion of the vehicle, GPS trackers on every vehicle, um, and and more. And so, um, when it comes to um, you know cash and product, uh, it's I think I think mainly thieves and criminals are are really targeting the cash. Because product, even though there's a black market, I think it's still it's still high risk, but definitely not as high as cash is. Yeah. Um, yeah. that stuff's like untrackable these days. You know, there's metric as far as like a track and trace compliance standard that um, every product that sits in the bed of our truck is uh, you know metric tagged. And so if you right. try to sell that thing on the black market, it's traceable. Right. Um, and uh, and so so it's mainly the cash that people are targeting. Um, and then at our facilities, we have armed guards that that operate around the clock too.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if they try to hustle the product on the side, they're not going to get as much. And that's the one thing I've always joked about, like regulation and, and recreational marijuana is right. there is no money in this for people. Like back in the day when I was younger, you know, I could buy a quarter pound, sell nickel and dime and and make a couple hundred at the end. But that's for an 18 year old, you know, or 20 year old, not exactly. a 46 year old guy trying to make rent and pay internet and all the other stuff i mean it's a structured business that you happen to face now the security that you guys uh uh, for your van is that um was that implemented by the california like i'm just curious if california is actually like concerned about the transportation safety of the person you know uh when it comes to money and cannabis
3: yeah i mean it it largely is dictated in the the rules and regulations of the of, of cannabis distribution um and so uh, you know, we sort of built it around that model. And so a lot of the things that I mentioned earlier were are actually mandated requirements as yep. far as delivery truck uh, specs. Yep. Um, and then as far as delivery drivers, you know, that's sort of, um, they, they also make sure that, um, you know, every driver is actually a W-2 employee and that gives uh, certain protections to uh, employees uh, that, that 1099 drivers wouldn't get. So, you know, we pay for their gas, we pay for their workers' comp insurance, we pay for their health insurance now that we have over 50 employees um and you know there's there's things like that um Defense that up don't they they do add up
2: <laughs> and then the, you're absolutely right and that's how i because we're still kind of in the phase of the transportation license here in illinois uh and then somebody asked the uh, does california have biotrack and uh, i'm not sure if you've heard of biotrack vince but yeah. uh no no Biotrack is in Illinois and that's the standard and out west they have metric and Mm -hmm. so do you have custom software that integrates with metric
3: we do yeah we have we have software that integrates with metric um in their api not BioTrack, though
2: have you tried to contact biotrack to get access to their api
3: uh no no we haven't we i I said i've 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 tried
2: i've tried to contact because i got other people that are like because the metric yeah. yeah as an open source uh, construct so that you cause it's, it's a, a fairly complex database, you know, it's, yeah. it's a database and it shows the story of that plant. Yep. Okay. And so they, they, they got the contract from the state. So they got to get this monopoly of yeah. setting a standard, but then they at least allowed other people to patch in and create their product like yours or right. uh, green bits yeah. or Blaze. but BioTrack over in Illinois, it's like, all right, well, do you integrate with it? No. Well, let's contact them crickets nothing (laughs) well like think about it from a standpoint of just being like a business standpoint yeah if we do nothing we'll corner this whole state yep
1: (laughs) to integrate with that program is necessary for people like vince to it would just benefit everybody this is
2: one of the things then it comes back to the advocation of the legislation And, and so it's like look I'm glad that Biotrack has gotten its one-year monopoly. That is awesome. They are going to be the Google in this field now because just like your bank account, I'm not going to sit up and be like, you know what? I don't like this one. I'm going to go quit my bank account and move. Very Mm -hmm. rarely does that happen. And so a lot of the people that have just gotten started, they're going to get accustomed to Biotrack and then they're going to want to do that. And so if if there was a legislative like right under there has to be biotrack approved biotrack mm-hmm. must provide api access to third-party vendors yeah you know? and so i'm gonna start lobbying for that uh, amendment in illinois law yeah but one question is are, does your distribution license allow you to have product in a distribution center
3: uh yes so i mean that's that's what our license allows us to do is, is i so don't think ours
2: program. does so oh. like imagine you were a transporter and yeah. you couldn't have a distribution center.
3: Wow. Yeah. No, that's pretty impossible. You'd have to do like point to point and it would totally change your economics.
2: Well, like, but I'm reading it and I'm, I'm reading and it's not in there. And wow. so I'm like, okay. But then at the same time, I, I really doubt. I yeah. really, really doubt the state of Illinois. Right. Just wants but, yeah inventory sitting in a, a warehouse somewhere mm. and they don't have any tracking as to like, you know, how who's guarding that? I mean, they put such mm. focus as to like the protections on the cultivation center mm. and protections on the dist- the retail center, but they yeah. speak none at all about the warehouse.
3: That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for California, at least um, in order to even get a license, including distribution, you need to actually have a Uh, you need to, you need to have a warehouse, like you need to have a location. Um, And they they actually ask for, um, you know, your specs, like your premise diagram, where you're going to put security cameras and like certain, you know, ingresses and egresses of the location, in order to even and and they have inspectors come in to check your fire code and like everything that uh, of the place where you're going to store the product. And so it's, it's, it's actually the opposite in California, where they actually require you to have a, a licensed location. Um, and, uh, and and you can't just have like a floating license uh, for like transportation.
1: That's fast. Kind of, oh, go Sorry. ahead, maybe. Let's say what kind of environmental, environmental controls do you guys have in your warehouse?
3: Yeah, so uh, we keep everything at around 67 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and uh, that's part of our standard operating procedure and, and our distribution agreements. Um, you know, most cannabis products. Um, do really well, um, you know, around that temperature. And so that's what we keep it at. And then we also have um, cold storage units uh, and freezers for uh, you know the high concentrate products and the resin. Um, and so that those are the sort of two different controls. And then also on the transportation side of things, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, AC ventilated uh, units for our vehicles that are uh, retrofitted in. Um, so that, you know, when we go on these long haul deliveries across the highway, um, you know, California's a big state and it gets pretty hot. Like once you get down to Southern California. <laughs> and so, you know, we, there, there have been situations where, you know, gummies and things just melt in the truck. Oh. And, you know, we've, we've, we've learned the hard way in a lot of situations. Um, but it's the uh,
2: only way
1: some people learn.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. that's to ask you that too, but you can uh, transfer edibles. So I guess that's, a yes, and yes, yeah, yeah. We we can transfer all types of products except for hemp-based products.
2: Oh. That's a very peculiar prohibition. Again, yeah. it gets back down to like how all the states are slightly different because now in Illinois, they just the Department of Agriculture said that our producers are allowed to now buy hemp. Flour from our Illinois hemp farmers or from other hemp farmers in other States oh, and yeah. process the hemp into their own products or into products. Cause a lot of uh, extraction uh, devices are kind of expensive. So now the established uh, growers in Illinois can extract uh, and process our CBD hemp. Yeah. But then they're going to have to, like it's just a point to point system. It looks like on transport because some of the transporter applications you know, I was asking, like, well, where does it need to be? And they're like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm like, wait, wait. so you can't, you, I, I don't understand how this license is going to work. So I think our transporter license is probably going to be the one that's going to have a lot of evolution over the course of the next uh, couple of years, just so that it starts to make uh, more value. I mean, I just don't see it doing anything except for being more like a standalone. Yeah. Uh, like if I'm growing it, I at least have my truck to like make my delivery. Mm-hmm you know? Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I mean, I think that's how it should be like hemp and cannabis are such close cousins that, you know, it doesn't make sense that hemp is allowed to be federally, nationally legalized and, and cannabis isn't. Um, you right. know, I mean, it certainly jacks up the value of the product and it makes for a great distribution, a great product for distribution from our standpoint. Um, but you know, if hemp, hemp is, I, I just don't see the, I mean, I guess the THC potency levels and things like that are, are way lower, but, mm-hmm. um, You know, I think that uh, it's it's kind of it's it's a very it's a very nuanced thing. I um, wouldn't
1: call them cousins. I would say they're the same plant. I mean, right now it's kind of like you can't carry you can carry nine millimeters, but you can't carry BB guns.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) You know, Uh, it is silly. It is silly, and I don't understand why it's regulated other than you know racism from forty years ago, and then just whenever there was some type of science, they'll be like, "You're just a bad person."
3: Yeah, believe yeah.
2: That. like Jesus is so upset with you right now for using drugs.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, but it's it, and a level of ignorance that's just palpable and staring it right in the face is, yeah. is going to keep us having to help our clients and in our, in our businesses uh, run at ridiculous amounts of compliance. And then mm-hmm. let's imagine, though, that it is federally legal. And so the tax bill isn't as bad. Yeah. Uh, it's still going to be state regulated. So the yeah. state will still require those licenses just because prohibition ended and you could buy alcohol. Didn't mean
3: everybody can sell alcohol. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it'll be like alcohol or like pharmaceuticals where it's still a controlled substance. Um, mm-hmm. that the government wants to track because um, yeah, I mean, it just, it, valuable. It, it's valuable. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think, I think more and more states and legislatures are, coming around to it today, uh, actually in my home state in Virginia, they just leak, uh, they just, uh, decriminalized Decrim. on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we
2: did a video on it a couple days ago when it came out and the governor signed. And so, oh, cool. yeah, mm-hmm. and now we're, we kind of gave them the update. And so now we have to see when, uh, Virginia, or do they have a medical bill if they have a medical bill, how does it work? Yeah, uh, How can we advocate for full legalization? What type of allocation is that a license is because Illinois has done a really good job of, uh, preventing hegemony so like except for biotrack right so biotrack's gonna have complete monopoly but then everybody else is not allowed to own more than two percent of the market cap so yeah there's 500 licenses for dispensing you can't have more than 10
3: okay right so there's
2: 150 micro grower licenses you can't have more than three got Got it wow okay
1: Hey. I'd be remiss, dude. 420 is Monday, and you have the analytics for the whole state. Yeah. What kind of trending do you see coming up as far as like the, the, like, what are people going to go for Monday?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think to answer your question, um, a lot of people are going to go for edibles and sort of like the wellness products. I think, you know, just, just to, Backstep maybe like a month before this, when all the COVID madness hit, um, you know, people were sort of uh, just like toilet paper. They were like hoarding weed too. People were going to dispensaries, um, buying large orders, and, and stockpiling their weed. Um, And then, you know, we saw a huge order volume going up and average order sizes going up. And then it sort of dipped because everyone was sheltered in place. And um, there was sort of a big snafu in the state around whether or not cannabis businesses were deemed essential or not. And, you know, thankfully that was overturned. Um, And then from there, you know, things started picking back up. But with 420 coming up, I think, um, you know, people are generally more health conscious given the current pandemic that's around us. Um, And so, you know, I think the inhalables and the smoking and the vapes and things that are probably not going to be as popular but you know 420 people missed out on st patty's day people missed out on you know all these different ways to celebrate and you know 420 is going to be like the next the thing the national holiday that everyone can sit at home and achieve and do um and so i think edibles and wellness products are are going to be on the rise for for this 420
2: yeah, we're doing a, an, AMA, an AMA kind of thing where we'll answer people's questions and, and smoke with them on that because we're, nice. we're all stuck inside. I mean, it's yeah. not like we can go outside and I go, "Here, it's your turn on this joint." No, it's not. Is everybody keeps yeah. their own joint? You know, it's
3: exactly kind of
2: annoying because it used to be something that would be able to bring people together okay. and share. You know,
3: yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: well, speaking of, I mean, that was one of the analytics that uh, Josh noticed was that. Pre rolls went down since it started. Wow! And, right. You know, I yeah. personally like pre rolls just because it's convenience and like if I get pulled over or anything, I just throw it away. You know. Wow. Or but, yeah, uh, but think
2: about it because the COVID symptoms there were—it's a respiratory illness. And exactly. It's a
1: social thing, though. Pre rolls are. So
2: Vince, have you seen the same? Because you see da- tracking data as well. So when mm-hmm. the the shelter in place order came up, you was like. Bloop. Yeah. And it's just spiked like that. Have you seen a trade off in uh, edibles going up and uh, inhalables? I guess uh, which yeah, yeah. could also include vape, but typically includes flower uh, decreasing. Right.
3: Yeah, no, we certainly have. I mean, I think it, it, we're, we're pretty strong in most categories, um, and, but, but in flower in particular, um, we have a lot of brands from all spectrums, like, you know, indoor, greenhouse, uh, you know, outdoor grown flower, mixed light, whatever it is. And, um, you know, across the board, I mean, it's still a huge chunk of the market, don't get me wrong, but it has sort of relatively declined compared to the past um, 420s um, compared to other product types and categories. Um, And and it sort of makes sense. I mean, I think, you know, people's psychological stance right now is to, you know, conserve and preserve their health um, while still finding different ways to, um, you know, get fucked up for lack of better (laughs) words. Yeah.
2: To do so safely. Safely. So are you guys going to try to expand into Illinois with the transporter license?
3: Yeah, it's definitely a target for us. Um, You know, I think. As far as our strategy goes we um you know and this sort of also doubled back uh during the COVID crisis we we really wanted to focus on california um Mm -hmm. at least for the remainder for the foreseeable future it's such a big market um you know right now we ship about one in 15 products in the state um but you know that just means there's so much more room to grow um and uh you know as as we continue to do that we're we're going to be pretty opportunistic about getting into other states um yeah, you know, the, the sort of big friction points are really just the licensing. Um, Illinois has those caps um, and most well, of them the are transporters not- though. The trans- the yeah.
2: Transporters unlimited. So transporters more along the line of uh, the, the licenses that they have out West where there's just really no limit or the municipality sets the limit. Right. And the transporters on an annualized basis. So it, it seems yeah. like every year uh, you can kind of jump in, but yeah, I mean, it's, we're i've done a lot of them we'll see how they turn out here in a few months when they actually grade them
3: yeah no i mean i think it'll definitely be an exciting market uh for for the cannabis world um i think with chicago and you know there's a bunch of colleges around there as well and the the demographic i think is is right um and the governor seems to be very a very strong proponent of it um and so i think um yeah i think it's going to be a good market i think for us like as far as our expansion opportunities go it's you know, the the licensing execution risk. But then apart from that, it's also that we have to pour forth a lot of uh, a decent amount of capital expenditure into building up the warehouses, getting the trucks, hiring a team. Um, You know, the software is pretty translatable. But, um, you know, apart from that, it does take a a big lift on capital um, to get a new zone and to get a new region up. And uh, right now the sort of funding climate and the capital and the capital markets aren't so great. And so we're just sort of. uh,
2: Especially for those more, more speculative. Now you have, how, how many, so in 2018 you said you really hit your sweet spot because that's when California went uh, adult use recreational.
3: Right.
2: How long, can, back, can you show the pro formas if I'm an accredited investor pouring over your private placement memorandum?
3: yeah, I mean we I mean we operated fully legally uh, in the medical market before that, so oh good uh, yeah so we we started around like July of 2017 um, and it was really just like me and my co-founder doing deliveries out of the back of our vehicles. There was no real they're, they're the the license the licensing structure had not been released yet, and it was mainly operating on a collective model. Um, and so, you know, people were basically just I was basically just like a, a hired driver as part of someone's company, like a friend's company, actually, mm-hmm. who distributed pre-rolls across the state. And, you know, it was it was a way for me to get involved in the industry and meet people. Um, and then it sort of uh, quickly turned into a business just because, um, you know, they, they, they needed help with deliveries and along with many others.
1: Vince, you mentioned earlier that you had uh, 50 employees. Now, is that usually drivers or is that the whole company right now?
3: Um, the whole company. So the whole company has about uh, 80 employees. Um, drivers, we probably have about 25, 30 flexible drivers that are all W-2, but are paid hourly. Um, and then the remainder of the company, uh, yeah, is, is full time.
1: So as an auxiliary cannabis business, you're able to support 80 people as far as like their you know, food, rent, housing. I mean, yeah. you're a living wage for 80 people just off of cannabis. Now, how do, how has the, uh, the this uh, COVID issue affected your business?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we were a bit uncertain of how it would affect our business at the very early onset. And, and frankly speaking, you know, we were hearing all sorts of rumors around like, you know, the government potentially declaring martial law or things like that. And we were like, well, if we can't operate, then, you know, we're, we're going to be dead in the water in like several months. And so, you know, we just had to sort of tighten up our operations and change up our delivery schedules. So, you know, a lot of that has been affected due to the COVID crisis. However, um, you know, with cannabis being an essential business, that's been a huge boon to our industry. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I think the people in this industry are generally pretty resilient um, having come out of uh, you know the illicit market into the medical market into the collective model and now into the sort of rec market uh, and fighting all these regulations it's uh, and, and the general I guess just the public uh, stigma around it I think this is just another one Wait of the.
2: You're in California, I thought everybody loved weed, and there was absolutely no stigma about this it. Is, now. This, this is true. Closure. I have not
3: been to California since 1995. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. Uh, I think. People here openly smoke weed. Um, you know, it's, it's in parks, it's on the sidewalks. But um, at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, back, back back before like 2018, um, you can still get charged for it. Um, oh. But, you know, it was, it was pretty easy to get a medical license or a medical card. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were services where you could just call a, you know, stay at home, do- like a teledoctor. And then he would he would ask you if you had trouble sleeping or if you were stressed at work, and you just answered yes to like three questions over a video chat. He would send you a medical card, and then you could walk into a dispensary and buy weed. So, it it had a little bit of friction, but it really wasn't much. Um, well, you know,
1: California still has like you would think it's just a big hippy dippy. Uh, 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 what is that really
3: where the grateful dead
1: came from well what's that was <laughs> a skateboard movie uh dog days right because that's where i'm from i'm from ocean side i grew up from that okay. area cool. but san diego is still run by very conservative people like they were fighting uh, uh dispensaries it, it's the whole not in my backyard syndrome which mm-hmm. some of these people have still but
3: yeah. you know you're in la area where are you at I'm in San Francisco right now, Um, and so this is our uh, corporate headquarters, Uh, so we don't really operate any sort of cannabis activities here. Um, And then in Oakland and in L.A., we have two warehouses, um, and that's where all the product is and um, all the operations happen.
1: I think it's just great that you can provide a living wage for a bunch of people as a cannabis auxiliary business
3: yeah no it's it's definitely um it's been tough i mean i think just growing the business and and everything it's um we've had to um and and being operational i think from from our background we we were in the tech industry where everything is online and so getting into a business that has a huge physical component was uh new and you know i think uh I guess refreshing for us, um, and so it's been it's been pretty fun. I mean, we we don't see it as a burden at least.
2: <laughs> well, Software is everywhere now, and then of course yeah. you have more data points that are just moving.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> in, a lot, in a lot of ways, um, yeah, like a lot of the other like headset or uh, BDS analytics, like not not to bash on them or anything, but they they pay for data from POS systems and things like that. We mm-hmm. we in, in in our business model, we actually get data for free while making money doing deliveries. So it's like right. a it's yeah. a sweet little trick that we have to to collect all this information.
2: Yeah. You know, some companies are, will actually write scripts to, and then they'll have a you know, a database of all these websites that are dispensaries, and then they'll just scrape the dispensaries websites to reverse engineer the the inventory (laughs) of of the actual dispensary, because that's the only way they can see that data coming in. You would be like, how many are moving? Oh, we're moving 30 units of cookies. We're moving exactly Exactly. from A to B, you know? Uh, Exactly. Exactly. So that is a fascinating aspect of the information. I, you know, I'm going to have to look at California's law regarding their warehouse facility and like, relate it to the transportation license, because I didn't see that the transportation license in Illinois had the right to yeah. create a warehouse, you know, because they put such uh, they put such a stress on. As to uh, your your vault that you, they you have where you're going to store your cannabis product, whether mm-hmm. you're talking about your in kitchen because like we have an infusing license, your your cultivation, so, you know mm-hmm. the growing after you've you've cured it and put it into package so it's actually flower ready to you know to go, mm-hmm. and then uh, the dispensaries they also need to have a vault. And I'm like, wait, so I can just get like a transport license and a Morton and, and a
3: garage. Yeah. All right. That's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we looked into getting different licenses, like we sort of already had this organically growing distribution model um, from, you know, the brands that were, you know, just carpooling their product with us across the state at the time. Um, But, you know, when the licenses came out, we did an evaluation of like what licenses we wanted. And distribution was certainly the one that was the most scalable one Um, with retail. You know, you can only have such a big space and, you know, it's very hyper location dependent um depend and that would lead to a lot of your success and then the second was uh you know i guess like cultivation and you know that that was something we saw as a um as something over time would become a commodity and where the margins would shrink um and uh, on the manufacturing and branding side that was something that uh definitely yeah it's fickle yeah i mean there's so many brands that come and go and um you know to their credit i mean i think a lot of them have done a fantastic job like cookies for instance but you know for us like being in distribution it was we we got to manage like a portfolio of brands and so by by also doing this consignment shipping model it allows us to be able to swap brands in and out and not really tether ourselves to one segment of the market when for instance right now things are changing from flour to edibles we can always move to and shift focus there and ship those kinds of products and you know, with, with distribution, we, we got our first space, which was like 500 square feet, and it was a little closet and we were shipping across the entire state. And so it definitely took a lot less capital to get up off the ground, um, as long as you're willing to hustle a bit to get there. How do
2: with those drives?
3: <laughs> yeah, we, we would go like every other day, I, I would go like once a week to LA and San Diego. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I was at the time I, I had, I was sort of newish to California. And so I didn't really uh, – I hadn't seen much of it. And so I got to see a good, good amount of the uh, the countryside of California, which is – it's
1: a lot cool. of traffic, dude.
3: Yeah, it is a lot of traffic. But, uh, yeah, fun.
1: Have you converted your app to – or your website to an app yet for your customers to make it a little easier than an interface?
3: Not yet. It's, it's still just a web portal. Um, you know, I think in a lot of ways um, <clears throat> we sort of had to build out um, – excuse me, we sort of had to build out a lot of our tools as we built out our operations, just cause like the regs kept changing, emergency uh-huh. regs kept coming in every six months. And so we've never had the time to like build out a new a secondary product for mobile. Mm. Um, always just had to keep attaching bells and whistles to it. That's,
2: that's like the method of saying like, yeah. describing software, like, <laughs> exactly, exactly.
3: you know? Exactly, like, exactly.
2: You never like, you never just came out oh, with the God. whole reinvention. There was no time. We just do no horn this. Out
1: there. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was asking. Cause these guys are actual like, you know, yeah. super nerds who can get into the code and all that stuff. But that was
2: one of the things that he didn't even mention. I'm like, yeah, but you see as those brands come and go on all that stuff, your, your stuff, it's just like, now we don't have, you know, five data points. 25 data points, 4,000 data. Like your your uh, the value of your property continues to go up because it's more uh, used. <laughs> and so, because of that, your ability to be able to predict trends and yep. then to uh, see what you uh, probably should start stocking because you can see right. things that start to move, be like, all right, well, we need to expose more people to this brand. We need to trim that brand. Yep. Uh, this is the most optimal, uh, you know, because like even UPS and FedEx, they will have algorithms that are trying to find out if they should make a left turn or a right turn.
3: Yeah. So right. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is true, but I heard FedEx implemented this algorithm where they only take right curtains or something. i heard this. that one. Yeah. I can't
2: remember if it was FedEx or USPS, oh, yeah. but I've heard there's some type of algorithm out there that they only do yeah. that simply because it it, it reduced <laughs> fuel expense or it also saved time. One mm-hmm. of those two. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And at that scale, yeah. like any 1% difference is like millions of dollars. Yeah, right. Oh, totally. <laughs>
2: but that's the fascinating aspect of uh the business model that i saw from you and i'm like all right well interesting and i would it'd be interesting to see more about how you guys approach your pricing and uh i mean the kind of consignment model looks like you're almost doing the delivery free
3: to mm-hmm. be honest. yeah well so for us we charge like a normal distributor but okay. half the price so we charge a percentage pricing model um and uh ultimately every time we deliver a product it's it's kind of like. Um, kind of like DoorDash or Uber Eats, like mm-hmm. you know, take a percentage. Um, and then if it doesn't meet, if that, if that percentage doesn't meet the order minimum, then we'll charge that flat rate minimum to have like a floor for ourselves. Cause every time we do a delivery, even if it's for, if it's for like one sample of a vape product out to like Shasta or Redding or Humboldt or something like that from Oakland, it still costs us gas and time. Yeah. Um, and so uh, for us, like we have to charge like a, a pretty, a, a good meaty minimum. Um, and so, for us, like, you know, we we still get the benefit of, um, you know, being able to charge a percentage rate for uh, delivering products across the state. Um, yeah. And so ultimately what we want to be able to do is this is sort of like the first step of our strategy is to just get the infrastructure locked down. Um, and now that we have all these brands and all these retailers in our network, it's really about layering on additional services, like, for instance, helping out on the sales side with a marketplace. And being able to drive demand for these products. And the next is perhaps perhaps offering financing solutions because we handle the collections and we have the creditworthiness of retailers. And so we want to be able to um, you know, ultimately help brands launch as fast as possible and give them a full tool set for them to be able to understand their customer.
1: Hmm. Oh, that's huge, distribution is huge. Yeah.
3: yeah. Vince, thank you so much
1: for joining us today. Uh, where can we go to follow and find uh, Navis?
3: Yeah, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, the handle is GetNabis, G E T N A B I S. Um, and you can go to nabis.com, N A B I S.com, um, to find out more about our distribution services and um, you know perhaps work together.
1: Sweet. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. Uh, this Sunday, we're going to have an OG. Canvas activists. I think they opened up their organization in like '95. So, we're oh gonna wow, to wow, that's gonna be dope. And uh, of course, 420. We got some exciting things
0: planned.
3: So,
1: <laughs> keep, like and subscribe. We'll see you guys on Sunday.
3: See you guys. Happy 420. Happy 420. Thanks, Vince.